Hello, and welcome to episode 272 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Rob Maltari, creator of Nightwolf, now on Kickstarter. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Rob, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. We're really excited to, to catch up with you and talk about this book. But let's uh, let's do as we normally do when we start off an interview. We ask for two things. We ask for a very quick bio and an elevator pitch, and then we then we get into the to the meat of the interview. Sounds good. Yeah, thanks again for having me. Um, I'm Rob Maltari. I am the creator and writer of uh, Nightwolf and uh, new series Snowpaw, as well as the founder of Lone Wolf Comics, my comic book imprint. Um, I am a graphic and web designer full time, but I'm also a part time comic publisher and hoping to switch those two roles. <laughs> Very cool. And the the elevator pitch for for Nightwolf. All right. So uh, Nightwolf is uh, about a young man who finds out that he's born a werewolf and gets thrown into a supernatural war against demons, witches, other uh, werewolves, vampires, and uh, you know, a lot of uh, bloodshed ensues. <laughs> Very cool. So I think the last time you were on were we uh were we in issue five uh at that I think, point yeah that was yeah mm -hmm. so and I, if i remember correctly when we've, we've had these uh interviews is that um uh is it a 12 maybe 13 issue series or are we kind of reaching the the midpoint do i remember correctly yeah so it's a 12 issue story arc um planning to continue on after that but um this particular story arc um ends at a double sized issue in issue 12 so we are in the midst of the, the story arc here. Um, this is really where action starts um, picking up. Um, you know, it's no more introduction, no more training montage. We're actually in, you know, he gets thrown into it and, and um, there's a lot of um, kind of red herrings here and there, but uh, you know, it's right now it's, it's this, especially this issue, there's a lot of action that happens. Very cool. And um in between five and, and six and i think i have this right there was a, a a one shot with a with a character that you spun out of sort of the the world of nightwolf is, is that correct um it wasn't just a one shot um, okay it's planned as a four uh, issue mini series but if there's enough interest to keep going it's going to be an ongoing very cool and that character did kind of come out of the world of, of Nightwolf, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So Snowpaw is the uh, is the character. Um, she's uh, Nightwolf's um, mentor, and she's uh, a two hundred year old uh, Scottish werewolf. And the, her story, the spinoff, goes back to her origins in nineteenth century Scotland. Very cool. So I'm going to turn it over to Noah for for a question here, because since I I let off with a few, I want to make sure he gets to, to ask a question. Yeah, I, I was uh, that my question was actually going to be about, you know, I think a lot of the conversation last time was talking about the um, like, you know, you doing period history stuff in Scotland and that sort of being something that you were interested in doing. Mm -hmm. I think we I think we had talked about also that you like to sort of, excuse me, freshen up the settings of each issue so that you kind of get like almost like, you know, this is like a part of a larger story, but you kind of like to segment it out. Is that that's correct, right? Yeah, I, I like to kind of keep, um, you know, I don't want to be stuck in the same place. Um, I yeah. want, you know, I want to be able to move forward. And it's not like, you know, the beginning of the story starts out in the small town that he grew up in. And from there, um, you know, after, you know, his first change and, and uh, Snowpaw taking over and mentoring him, um, they leave the area and move into like a kind of a safe house or cave, if you will, that um, in the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, so they kind of move around from there. 
Um, so it, it shifts from like a you know small town city setting to like a, you know a more of a like a outside camping, a roughing it like in a cave kind of situation. Plus, you're also then seeing like you know more of like the um, villains and their kind of settings, which is like you know dark evil castle or like big city like Pittsburgh or you know what I mean. So it's like it, it, the the locations shift and and the backgrounds change and um but it's in each one's you know elegantly done um by carlos and gat that's awesome and so what so with this issue what are sort of like if you not to spoil anything but what are some of the new places you're going in this issue so we um you'll see kind of like a uh at the beginning there's kind of a um a wedding if you will uh it's almost kind of like a red wedding (laughs) (laughs) uh and uh, it takes place in a a kind of a gothic cathedral that has um, I mean, they're not that subtle, but they're subtle, you know, more, they're not like Christian, if you will. There's definitely <laughs> anti-Christian undertones. Um, so there, that, that's, that's new setting. Um, and kind of, it was kind of a gorgeous, uh, piece that, um, you know, Carlos had, uh, you know, based on like the information I was giving him, like how I wanted it to look. Um, he, he can't, he brought that in spot on how, um, you know, how that scene turned out great. Um, then there was, um, like I said, also, you know, we'll go into the, the cave, like actually um, there's like a, a big battle scene inside this cave. So there's a lot of like, there's like a fire, you know, kind of like at the mouth of the cave lighting, you know, the rest of the cave. So there's a lot of darks and, and contrast in, in that scene um, with a lot, you know, like kind of, uh, and then it's also being lit up by like gunfire fire. So it's kind of um, a dark scene, but like, it's also meant to be that way kind of like that scene from Blade when like, you know, he's being overrun in the sewers by a ton of like those feral vampires. Um, it's kind of that set up like that. Um, and then, uh, so then there's another switch to like, like I said, it goes into like a city of Pittsburgh, like a fine dining. You can see the city in the background of a window um, and, you know, and then back to then the woods where there's a separate battle scene at night in the middle of the woods and it's like fall. So you can see like the, you know, the, the hint of trees coloring, you know, <laughs> that's awesome. So I'm sorry. I'll, I'll let Matt ask a question after this. And I think we talked about this last time as well, but like you, you definitely light up when you're talking about locations and sort of where we're going. And I, I, I have a couple questions off of this and maybe we'll, we'll get to it, but um, like you, you, um, you definitely have like strong characters and they sort of do drive the story and things like that. I'm, I'm kind of wondering how you balance things like locations, characters, plot, like the world at large. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a big question I know, but I am interested <laughs> to see like, like how do you like, cause you get excited about a lot of this stuff. Like I just sort of, and I'm kind of the same way. I get excited about a lot of stuff too. So I'm just curious, how do you, how do you stay focused? Like, okay, I really like, you know, how do you like, keep the the plot on track without getting mm. like too in the weeds with all this stuff going on so i i like to um i like to be authentic about everything with uh, uh as far as like if you know the place and setting has to be a part of the world too so like it has to make you feel like that actually could exist um so i you know usually the story plot comes first along with the character development and kind of like where the the scenes are kind of then are like built around them to to make it realistic um you know like for example the cave situation um i kind of like wanted it to look like a kind of an inhabited cave not just like you know you know a dog's or a wolf cave 
Um, like I actually wanted to, there's like beddings, there's, um, you can see shelves with pots and pans, um, you know, there's specific places that in this issue you're not seeing, but in the next issue, there's like even kind of like a, um, an armory uh, hidden further back into the cave that they'll kind of get back into um, later on. But um, there's, there's just so much about like the environment around, like to make it feel like they're actually there, that you, you feel like you're there. Um, you know, I'm not a, like when I have my um, illustrator drawing, you know, the backgrounds, I don't want just like a blank, you know, like empty background where there's like talking word bubble. You know, I, I want him drawing the full scene and then I will put the word bubbles over top where I felt like it may be something that doesn't necessarily, you know, it isn't like a big deal that it's covered over. But I do want it shown like it's actually an environment. You know what I mean? They're not just talking heads. <laughs> That's really cool. I like that idea of, you know, uh, and you, you kind of come from a visual background. So you kind of know how to describe panels so that you're not crowding the page. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. I try to break it up. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So I think I remember correctly that there was a, there was some change in like the, the, the art team early on, but it seems like, uh, as you're going forward, you, you've, you, you mentioned Carlos. Uh, I think, has he been on the book for, for quite some time now? Yeah, so actually Carlos was my artist originally back. Um, so I approached him back in 2013. Mm -hmm. um, he did the original character designs and the first like six pages and the um, cover. Uh, but he had gotten picked up by a, one of those like myth, uh, you know, mythological card, play, card playing games. Mm -hmm. um, similar to like... Um, Oh, it's Magic the Gathering, but like more fantasy based, I guess, um, monster. And I can't think of the name of it offhand, but um, he, he, so, you know, I couldn't contend with what they were paying him. And, you know, mm -hmm. he was doing, you know, Favis full time for him. Um, so what happened then was I kind of was went back to searching for a new artist and um, found Oscar Chococote Ailey. <laughs> um, and he had, um, he has his own like, uh, agency called Bakiman Studio and he has like teams underneath him but at the time I just needed him to do the illustration and I, I had um, Ross A. Campbell doing the colors and so that was so basically Oscar and, and Ross took over for Carlos where he left off I actually had got rid of a couple of Carlos's pages um, to kind of make it uh, because there was that dream sequence in the very first issue and once that dream sequence ended the art shifted to okay that's that's when i had um oscar come in um so like i actually had like two pages of carlos's that i couldn't use even though they were gorgeous mm -hmm. um but i wanted at that point to be where okay well this looked more like a movie epic looking you know dream sequence and then like we go into like the real life kind of a um thing. but it wasn't like you know a big dramatic change like i tried to make sure that everything was very similar um i gave oscar carlos's like um, sketch drawings which basically gave him the, the rough of everything so he really just had to put his own line art uh, over top of that for the first issue um, and then the second issue was all um, it was all Bakuman Studio so it was Oscar and his team because Ross had got picked up by DC um, again how could I argue <laughs> yeah. um, so that was you know that was basically where I was like okay Oscar, you know anybody you work with? He's like, oh yeah, I got somebody. I got a guy. I was like, all right, go ahead. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, go ahead. 
I just, and I know one thing from, you know, our, you know, our connections and, and stuff, you know, meeting and online and, and stuff like that. Do you still, are you still very detailed with the, is it Trillo boards where you, oh, yeah. where you do like the, you know, this is what I'm kind of thinking. This is the reference, you know, this mm -hmm. is sort of the environment. So you guys still operate that way. Oh yeah. Matter of fact, um, Oscar was the one who introduced Trello to me because okay. that's how he worked. And I liked it so much that I adopted it. So like when, um, when, uh, so Oscar, like going like through issue three, um, the coloring wasn't exactly what I liked in issue two. So I wanted to kind of have more like what Ross was doing. So I did find uh, Gap Melvin to take over the colors in issue three and Oscar, I think he handed off the illustration to somebody else in his team. And I could kind of tell because the style changed, but I didn't, I was under a time crunch. And I couldn't really be like, ha you. <laughs> <laughs> so at that point, I was like, all right, you're going to do that. I'm paying you the same amount for somebody who's not as good as you. <laughs> um, so that's when I approached Carlos. And I was like, hey, what can I do to get you back on? Um, and he's like, actually, I'm working like a nine to five job now teaching. I can do this like in my okay. part time. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so it, and since issue four, it's been um, Carlos and Gat. Like, I've, you know, they both have. Um, especially Carlos, he's, he's very invested now. He's, he feels like it's more of a partnership. He, he offers up um, his advice, like when it comes to like things he thinks might look better with the art, as far as like, um, you know, so he's actually in the, you know, his character designs based on like what I'm, you know, just they pop and he's even got involved with the Snowpaw series as well. Like he did the character designs for Snowpaw. He did a cover for that. Um, I would, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that I wanted a female artist, he and the, he was already working on Nightwolf most of the time. You know, it was like I would have loved to have him do Snowpaw too, but you know, again, time restraints. And I wanted because it was a female-focused um, book. I wanted a female team to take the reins on that. Was there a certain point where you were um, working on both projects, like in various states of <laughs> development? Like you know, maybe you're taking an issue of Nightwolf. To, to Kickstarter and you're, you know, you're getting pages in on Snowpaw. So you sort of have to kind of mentally do like a, you know, a mind shift, like, Hey, I'm, I'm over on this storyline here and I'm yep. promoting this one here. So you were doing that at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, there was, um, so Mog officially started working on Snowpaw during, it was like the end of April and I was getting ready to launch Nightwolf 5. So there was a lot of time where I was like promoting and then like, she'd be like, Hey, I have a page for you to check out. So there was a lot of that. And she, I think, so um, the, if I recall the Kickstarter ended for Nightwolf in June, she was almost completely done with Snowpaw. Um, I think she finished up the end of July. Okay. Um, and, and then Bru Bruna, the um, Bruna Costa, she was a colorist. She finished in August. So there was a lot of like, like Bruno was starting like during the campaign and, you know, so it was like a, a lot of like moving parts, but I, what I think I liked about doing that was it, I didn't have like a downtime as far as like when the campaign ended, mm -hmm. I was still like, it wasn't like, Oh, well I'm focusing. I like, you know, now what do I do kind of a situation, you know? Uh, Cause I know like after a campaign ends, if you have, if you're waiting for like either the funds to come in or backer kit or whatever, there's that like period where you can't really do much. Yeah. And I think you're just so used to like checking your phone, checking, you know, promoting, you know, this and that, that you're like, what do I do with myself? You know? 
um, for me, I did that last time I didn't have to do that. And it was kind of nice because it was like, I just, boom, just rolled right in the next one. And same thing. Once, um, snowplow ended same situation. Uh, Carlos had already started, Gad had already started. So it was like, just keep it, keep it going. And I, you know, I, I'm sure I'm probably more tired for it. Uh, and I'm feeling it. I think this campaign in a way, cause I, um, this weekend I meant to do updates. I, by the time I was done, put it, you know, doing the kids, you know, mm-hmm. um, extracurriculars and, and doing stuff around the house. I was like, I should do an update. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if things are going as, you know, sort of in their optimal state, are you like hoping like, what is it like quarterly every, every three months, you, uh, you know, a, a new issue of either, you know, the, the book, from the main series is coming to Kickstarter or, or the snowpaw. So it's, it's about a quarter or every yeah, three so months. I, I'm aiming one per quarter. Um, I don't think I'll get that this year, but if I get three in, I'll be happy because the most I've been able to put out a year is two. Okay. So if I can get three Kickstarters this year, I, I'll still be happy. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was my original plan. Um, you know, but again, you, you know, you're, you know, between like the artist and, and dealing with different moving pieces, you know, it, it, um, it doesn't move as fast as you want it, but you know, in the end it's worth it because you're getting, you know, good stuff in the end, you know. And you mentioned that the six, if I, if this is a double size issue, so there's. No, uh, uh, 12 is a double size. 12 is double size. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Cool. Um, so, you know, you got this going on, um, are you finding um, new backers at this point or do you, is it, if you, I know that you're very systems oriented. Do you, do you have like an idea of like, all right, this is a brand new person or this is somebody who's, you know, been here since six and they come in and get, you know, each issue that comes, you know, out um, yeah. each time. Yeah. So um, I, I've been using uh, backer kit launch and um, it's been nice to see like, it gives you the information of like who is your past backer and who's a new um, I have right now. I mean, I could probably even pull up the stats um, while we're talking, but um, yeah, I mean, it's what's nice about it is that they give you that those stats. And I am pretty sure like right now it's a um, higher percent of, of returning backers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with like Snowpaw, it ended up being like kind of like a, I think it was like a 60, 40, 60% new or uh, 60% returning and like a 40% um, new, but that was also a new series. Um, so I think there was a lot more like eyes on it as an issue one. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like, all right. So I'm looking at um, returning backers right now are 74% at 250 backers uh, compared to new backers of 46 backers at 26%, um, which you know, usually by the end of the campaign, it kind of evens out a little bit more. Okay. Um, I, it's like with like the first day, um, there was a lot uh, like I, it was, I think because of backer get launched and using those, those emails that go straight to your past backers. Um, I think that's where you get your initial, like I, the first day there was 186 um, returning backers just on day one. Okay. Um, so, and then from there, it's kind of like, each day is like half and half. <laughs> Very cool. So Noah, do you, do you have a question for Rob? Yeah, I kind of had a question about, um, to not to backtrack too much, but about your 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 second series, because you said Carlos did the character designs on them and then it was taken over by the, 
the 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 main female artist there what was that like sort of like overseeing a character design from Carlos and then passing it on to another artist was there like revisions after that or were was the Um, new artist pretty like you know stayed like on model she she basically took the character designs and made them her own like the whole series like the issue in general she she has such her own unique style um and it, it and she does like this all the time even with like existing like marvel and dc characters like she'll she'll put her own spin like she'll do like a geisha version or like a samurai version of something and like you can tell you can see like the the initial um you know what character it is let's say it's like you know batman but in like a samurai armor you know um that she kept a little bit more closely to the character designs but put her detail her you know it was it's all her style i mean it's it's like night and day looking between like if you take Nightwolf and you take snowpaw and you look at them and you'd have no idea that they were related except for if you read it Mm -hmm. and you saw the mythology is similar and uh this might be a very basic question but like is 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 nightclaw kind of a like it's like it's a good jumping on point for the series overall like do you feel like that way or do you need feel like you need to read uh nightwolf to to read it for us uh for snowpaw it's it's completely snowpaw, separate yeah no no worries it's uh, yeah it's snowpaw is completely separate um it's again you could read that have no idea what's going on in nightwolf and it doesn't matter because there's 200 years between the two stories um, whereas like Nightwolf is more horror um, and like supernatural focused during the modern day. And her story is 19th century. I mean, you could see the elements of, you know, uh, both Mog and I put a lot of like um, background into that as far as like our research to make sure that it felt authentic there as well. Um, so it really feels like, you know, 19th century Scotland and the, the dress, the where they what they wear. Um, there's a lot of that, you know, the way they speak is very, is very, you know, there, there is that Scottish accent. Um, so there's a lot of like separation and it, her story is more fantasy, um, and kind of like a, a lighter, lighthearted version, if you will. So it's not, there's not even like the mood is completely different. (laughs) Right. I think I remember talking to you last time about like sort of all the research you're putting into, the setting and the you know the cultural background at the time and it's like it's got some world war one elements to it too right at the time or is it um uh... it's it's pri- it's more like a, so it's uh it, the 19th century is the eight they're like towards the oh, end i'm of sorry the... you said you said 19th century yeah yeah, yeah yeah no but it's um it's so it's during like the industrial age of like um right. you know, england and the uk um kind of like around the time of like jack the ripper and 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 charles dickens like that's the like the era um that it's so there's a lot issue two especially um when they go from scotland to england you can see a lot of um like westchester um the reference there there's um there's a a slum there that they walk through um called uh devil's alley um so there's a lot of like things like that um and what's what's cool is like i i had played um assassin's creed um it wasn't brotherhood it was the um syndicate and um that's where they it's around that same period so like i was able to go back into my save game (laughs) and take screen caps of like the layouts of the town and and and, like the locations and be like there you can use this as reference (laughs) yeah i i had friends who did who who did illustration and they did that with um the egyptian setting the egyptian set one yeah yeah because uh those games are really heavily researched as far as locations and everything 
Yeah, that's a great resource right there. Um, it's, uh, it's so unique uh, to, to sort of give that over to the artist. Um, yeah, because yeah, like, it's because it's hard to find that stuff on your own. Like, yeah, I mean, no I, the, only, the only references I could find were like the really old drawings and they're like, you know, not detailed at all. And, and kind of just like, you know, like just like they look like an old newsprint hand drawn, you know, printing. Mm-hmm. Right. You get three <laughs> dimensions with this stuff. Right. Right. And exactly. Obviously, there's some artist interpretation, but again, those games kind of pride themselves on like using actual research and yeah. everything. I have the art book for the third one, which is the Revolutionary War oh, nice. game. And that's yeah, what yeah. they talk a lot about that in there. Yeah, those things, kinds of things are great resources. I'm kind of interested. What are some other like unique resources that you have for, for references? Do you just have like the internet and books and things like that? Or uh, like, is there something else like you're like, yeah, like this was something that you weren't expecting to be able to use? Yeah, uh, so way back from the beginning, I um, after I discovered Werewolf the Apocalypse, because um, I, a friend of mine, I was telling him about my story, and um, he said, "Hey, that sounds like this," and showed me the, like a gamer book, and I'm like, "Oh, he's, like, you know, the aesthetic in those character designs, like in the book, like the you know for the uh, player guide, um, was exactly like how I pictured like my werewolves to be." And I was like, so for me, like drawing my own like character designs before handing them off to Carlos, there was, I was heavily referenced a lot of that. Um, and then, you know, it, I, as the internet developed more, because um, this was back in 2001. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, as time, a lot of it was from books, college, you know, history. I took a lot of history classes. Um, and then, you know, once the internet really was, everything was accessible. Mm-hmm. You know, I could easily, you know, like, especially going to the snowpaw and, and, you know, that was easy just to type in, okay, I'm looking for this, you know, this time period. And there's, you know, who lived where, what, what castles were available at the time, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it just, and I found a lot of like visual references on DeviantArt um, and, you know, are the art station, other, you know, uh, art boards out there um read it so at the time of this recording you got a little bit over two weeks to go um and uh you know you're over your funding goal um are you uh, have you are you in stretch goal territory um have you announced anything here so i announced the thresholds i haven't okay. um, unlocked any yet okay um and we're so we're right now we're uh See, we're eleven thousand four hundred thirty-two. The next stretch goal is twelve thousand five hundred. So we're just short of a thousand from unlocking the first stretch goal. Very cool. So you, so um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you just sort of say like, "This is this is something we got to get to," and then when you get to it, you announce what it is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it's there's a bit of. A bit of intrigue and mystery you're, you're building into oh, yeah. there with your yeah. stretch goals okay same with um i, I do milestones too um so my milestones are all like freebies that everybody gets mm-hmm. um whether it's a digital or a physical if you know if you back the physical you get the physical if you get the digital you get the digital mm-hmm. um so like once those those milestones are hit I, the same thing I, i'll do like a question mark on top of like a gradient like box and then once it's hit then i'll um, you know unlock those show what it is and say hey you get this for free <laughs> very cool um you know uh but then i like what i do like when all right we're this close to getting it you know the posts to, to keep the, the momentum going um 
And, you know, for the stretch goals, I do it a little bit differently. Um, it's kind of a combination between you get, a, there's some free things, there's some new add-ons that get added. So, you know, at that certain point, you're like, you can pay for, you know, I, I'm able to purchase other things that they can then add on to the campaign. Okay. For example, um, what I did, like what I did with my uh, snowpaw campaign, the first stretch goal was metal covers for, um, for the issue. So um, I'll, I'll probably, I'm going to do something similar with this and like, then um, there's book enhancements. So like, if we get to a certain threshold, then like um, you'll have the, um, the UV uh, spot coating for like the nice shine or, you know, stuff like that. Um, so I have a variety of different things or there's other things uh, like future part uh, projects, um, co new cover reveals, stuff like that. So that, that's what stretch goals are. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as far like I said, they get free, there's add-ons they could get, or there's like sneak peeks. Cool. Cool. So it's sort of, um, you know, like when you go to cons and there's like the, the, the person that's selling the mystery box, like mm. you, 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 you know, you're not exactly sure what you're going to get, but you kind of know, like you right, know, you're yeah. at a con, you're going to get some geeky stuff. And so if you're on a Kickstarter, you're like, kind of know what I might get here, but you know, there's a bit of uh, intrigue and mystery to have right, that yeah. question mark go away and be like, Oh, it's a, it's a gold foil cover. Yeah. You know, yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, and I think that it also, you know, it, it gives them that little, Oh, I can't, we got to get this, you know, it's more of a game, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I've actually been kind of leveling up these milestones and stretch goals um, because for, you know, my first couple, like I was, I was given out like 15 or more like tchotchkes, you know, and, and, you know, packing up those things are time consuming when you're doing mm -hmm. it by yourself <laughs> and you're doing it for a couple hundred people. Right. So, um, I, and also the fact that like my campaigns have been leveling up. So I've been leveling those up along the way, mm -hmm. making it just a little bit harder for, for myself and them to unlock just to kind of give that, you know, that challenge. I don't want it to be too easy you know, every time. Right. You know, mm -hmm. you gotta, you gotta have, it's like a video game. Gotta level up. <laughs> so um, I have some questions about another project, but before we leave the world of, of Snowpaw and Nightwolf, I want to see if, if Noah has anything here um, that, that he might want to ask. Nope. Go it looks ahead. like, yeah. Good. So um, if it's okay, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Cthulhu invades uh, Wonderland. Yeah. Um, you know, all three of us have a, a part in that book, but I think one thing that's really interesting is that uh you know, and we've talked with Travis a lot lately, is that, uh, um, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, people pitch to, to projects, um, and you might not have a writer, um, or an artist, but like, I think didn't, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Travis wanted like your Nightwolf team to like, stay, stay together for this, right? Well, that's, um, when I, we, he and I talked about it um, because he, he did a four page um, mini story. He likes to call an Epic, which it really was. It was an Epic, um, you know, uh, set of pages um, for my, my volume uh, one trade paperback. I had four guest writers do four page shorts for each chapter. So there was one through four. So they each had their own like specific. I said, okay, this goes with this chapter. This is the premise. This is, it was kind of like a director's cut that I would have loved to write or include myself. I gave them just basically a two sentences of premise and who's in the, the story. Now go. Mm -hmm. um, Travis did one for chapter three, which would have been issue three. Um, and 
I think he loved working with my artists as much as like being playing in my sandbox. Um, so he was like, dude, he's like, you want to do, you know, I'm doing another uh, Cthulhu invades you, you in. I'm like, yeah, he's like, he's like, well, he's like, what do you think about doing this? Because he was like, he threw out the Bandersnatch. He's like, I'd love if you could do this and, you know, you know, bring your team on. And which was, yeah, I was like, yeah, man, that's, that's fine. I mean, that's totally cool. I'll, you know, mm-hmm. I'll get Carlos, see if he can do it. I'll get Gat, see if he can do it. Um, and <laughs> like, I had been like, he had deadlines and I had missed every time. And he's like, oh, that's cool. He's like, you're, you're good. I know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, uh, so Travis, like when he comes on, he always likes to give us a little bit of dirt when he comes on. It, we, 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 we joke that it's sort of like the, uh, the TMZ of comics uh, uh, sometimes, but um, spilling the tea. Spilling yeah, the tea. we were um, <laughs> we were we were talking about how sometimes, you know, when you're on an anthology and you're getting close to to a deadline and you haven't turned anything, some of the messaging might be a little um, aggressive, you know, like mm-hmm. um, and how Travis was very sort of, um, you know, as long as stuff was coming in, but he was very. Um, understanding and he wasn't yeah. like you know as strict with the deadline so so that was yeah he was very was laid back yeah and i think that's too that that's why like he pushed it to, to like this time because mm-hmm. i think originally he had planned for like what october december but then sounds... they put yeah then they put um what was that the other the um holiday um, holiday spirit yeah, yeah they put that in front because you know there was I think at that time I had already, I had had everything into him, I think by November. Um, so I, I'm sure I'm probably part of the reason and maybe others too, I'm sure. Um, but <laughs> if ever, if, if I remember correctly, there's, you know, there's some folks that are, um, you know, people are at different levels of their, you know, professional career, but I think some of the folks that were, you know, higher, maybe what people would consider higher up on the, uh, the food chain they, they were the ones that were were super were super late so that that's that's kind of interesting i think that too like goes to show like okay well if you're you know if you're hands-on in multiple projects and you know you kind of you you can only do so much especially like with me bringing my my nightwolf team that delayed my issue six art because we went from five to that to six um so it you know for me it was like okay i can i'll try and squeeze this in but i gotta see if they're available too mm-hmm. you know like that was i had to work with their schedule because gat i'm not his only client you know he he does stuff for tom hutchison and big dog inc and and others as well so uh you know he, he had to squeeze me in um and carlos I, i'm his main like uh client but he also does like one-off covers and mm-hmm. and like you know big you know big epic you know, uh, prints and stuff for other people too. So in, on top of his full-time job. So it's, it's not like I could just be like, Oh yeah, this will be done this day. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, with the, you running the, the night wolf, um, campaign at the same time as the Cthulhu invades campaign is going on, you guys are having a bit of a a cross promo, right? There's people back both campaigns. Mm -hmm. They get, they get a print, um, it's a He-Man homage, right? Um, yep. So, I, you know, we got this earlier that you're very much, you know, systems oriented. Um, and, you know, I don't know if Travis is using the same system, but do you guys have a plan on how you're going to figure out like, all right, Matt back both. So 
when I go to pack my, you know, my Nightwolf rewards, you know, I'm going to slide this print in here and, and stuff like that. Do you guys, have you guys got to that point of figuring that out yet? So I've done the crossover thing the last two campaigns, no, last four campaigns. Um, first time I experimented was with volume one and then I did it with five Snowplow and I did it here. Um, so I learned from uh, Kevin Joseph because he was the one who initially introduced it to me. He and I did one with Tart um, and Nightwolf. And the way we worked it out was that he would send out his survey and say, or send out an update and say, use this code during um, my survey, you know, to that basically would say that they backed both of them. Okay. Um, you know, so it was like a backer only. Uh, they got it if they if they did back because obviously by that time you know we both were done so they couldn't if they didn't back me they couldn't enter the code okay um so that's that's how we kind of figured that out and it worked so well that i repeated the process each time um though this time travis because i paid for the art to have carlos um do the the homage and um so he said that he would pay for the printing and the shipping okay um which is fine um, I think and we'll probably do it the similar way. I'll, I'll, um, you know, put, throw in an update with like a code that you'll, you'll enter in his, um, his survey update. And, and then that way he'll know who did both and, and, you know, did whether it was physical or digital. And um, I, you know, I have two other ones that I'm doing one with uh, Daphne Lage for her ego Raven. And then one with Charlie Stickney for white ash. I'll be handling those, the shipping, and so they'll be sending out the updates. Um, so it was nice that, that um, Travis opted to do the shipping because that's one less than I had. True. <laughs> well, that's got to be awesome to, you know, uh, to have that level of, of a crossover. Because I know a lot of times, you know, us being indie creators or go, hey, I got a sci-fi book going on. You got a sci-fi book going on. I'll mention you in my update mm -hmm. but you know there's a lot of i think there's you know depending on how invested i am in the campaign like i might back it and then i see the updates come in i might not mm -hmm. necessarily you know scroll all the way to the bottom or, or read them all but right. to have to have a crossover where it's like hey this is not just a an update for my book and i'm telling you about this other thing Th those people are invested because it's it's a crossover and they're actually getting that thing it's not like hey this is a cool thing you need to check check out so it's a right yeah higher level of like cross promotion than just putting it in your update and like check out my buddy's uh kickstarter that's going on at the same yeah, time exactly and then having that like you know uh, that having a good looking piece too to kind of entice that helps mm -hmm. because you know and that's for me, like doing these as well, like I approach, you know, artists and, and, you know, creators that like, I'm a fan of like, for example, um, you know, with Charlie and Daphne and Travis, like I, you know, I like obviously the Cthulhu, Cthulhu uh, invades uh, Oz. I was, a, I wasn't part of it, but I backed it and I enjoyed mm -hmm. it. Um, so I was happy to be a part of this one and to be able to do the cross with him was fun too, because then it took both my character with my story for um cthulhu invades um so it was kind of like taking both of those that felt like mine but it was still like part of his world as well as mine um and it, he was the one who offered up the idea of it being a he-man homage and i said yes <laughs> <laughs> yes please <laughs> um so then you know like i said uh you know being a fan of these other projects 
Um, you know, I, I think right now I've been, I've been kind of like, it's almost a collector's thing for me too. Cause I like tart, one of my favorites, um, Wailing Blade was another one that I did a crossover with, with Tyler James. Um, so like, you know, and then Charlie Stickney, like, you know, with white, white ash and, and I, I don't, I feel like Daphne Lage needs a lot more attention on that Ego Raven book because it's gorgeously done. It's a great story. And, um, she definitely needs more recognition for it. Um, so for me as a fan reading these and, and, you know, having my character involved with theirs is, is kind of like, you know, that geeky nerdy moment. (laughs) You've got your own little image, uh, early image set up going on. That's great. (laughs) Cool. So, um, I think we touched on a lot of things here. Um, let's, um, as we close up, uh, before we close up, I'll check in with Noah. Um, do you, do you have any final questions or, or thoughts for, for Rob on uh, any of this stuff? I guess I just wanted to know about like, uh, Rob's, um, sort of background with like Cthulhu and Alice in Wonderland, you know, like sort of what were you like, obviously Travis asked you if you could work on the Bandersnatch, but sort of like, what was your understanding? Like, what did you want to do with the story going in? like with with your creative crew like were you thinking more along the lines of like like again balance but like what you wanted to do in that world but also like what strengths you wanted to play into with your creative team and you know all that yeah um so obviously i wanted it to be so the banner snatch being more of a feral beast um i wanted it to be something where you know according to the poem the original poem within a story within a story that he was part of he you know they mentioned him being very um fierce and 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 you know uh fromius yes exactly uh (laughs) and um so they i kind of wanted to do that but i also take the the kind of like the more bestial look compared to like the the old timely drawing that they had of it It was kind of goofy um so i kind of took a little bit more towards that like modern look of it um and had carlos basically make it his own and he did an amazing job with it um and i've been more of a wonder like i knew you know alice in wonderland you know i knew the books the different uh, adaptations um so i i knew more about that going into it um as far as cthulhu i i know i have never actually read believe it or not um, any of the HP Lovecraft um, stuff, but I've read a lot of like the other people's um, takes, uh, and I've seen um, you know that um, uh, Lovecraft County uh, that series on HBO, um, and that I you know also like uh, Tyler James's like uh, Cthulhu books um, for the kids. So I, I, I'm aware of the character types, and I'm also um, I don't know, have you ever played Skyrim, um, Elder Scrolls. No, I, I know the world, but I'm, yeah. I've never played it. Yeah. Well, there's um, there's a, a not a god, but it's um, uh, what they call a Daedra. Um, it's kind of like an evil god. And it was very similar to like the um, that madness, like god deities um, mm-hmm. that you know H.P. Lovecraft. It was very like you know. So I I saw the similarities in that, so I kind of knew that. Um, so I think. I had a rough idea of what it is and I knew what like a Shoggoth was and I knew what, you know, some of the other characters were. And I thought that the Shoggoth was the only one beside, I mean, obviously Cthulhu would probably just step on the banner snatch and be done with Right. So obviously that, that didn't make sense. Um, and I thought some of the other creatures within that, that myth- mythos didn't quite fit well, but um, so I felt, okay, well, let's see what happens when I take a Shoggoth and put it in with, 
the Bandersnatch. So I actually, I found a um, Lovecraftian wiki um, site and read everything I could about just like the Shoggoth and its story and part of the story and how um, they're very hard to kill. And they, they were originally made highly intelligent but they're enough to like they battle each other and the, the shoggoth being adaptable taking its body and being able to change so they have that where they're you know they're standing off against each other and it's like seeing a mirror image of like you know the banner snatch almost um and without giving too much of the story away that's kind of like where um even like the sounds that the the shoggoth makes was came from like that reference that i was reading um you know so i did like i said i do my research and i make sure that i I, I do the parts well so that people who do know the, um, the characters and, and everything that they can be like, oh yeah, that's, that's why he did that. <laughs> that's awesome. Cool. No, that was, that was a good question to, to tie everything uh, to, together there at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. So Rob, let uh, folks know um, where they can follow you online to stay up to date with, uh, you know, all things Nightwolf and, and Snowpaw. Yeah, so you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Lone Wolf Comics. Um, my, you can find my personal ones at Rob Maltieri. Uh, I'm also, I have a website, lonewolfcomics.com. Uh, the quick link to the campaign is lonewolfcomics.com slash nightwolf. And uh, I, you can sign up for my newsletter at my website and I keep you up to date there. I usually do a bi-weekly, so every two weeks I'll send out a newsletter, I send um I have the sneak peeks of new and upcoming, as well as um, just you know stories about character backgrounds and artist uh, spotlights, and just try to make it entertaining as I can. <laughs> Very cool. And I guess let's uh, you know you gave us the elevator pitch, but let's let's talk about uh, Nightwolf and where we are at this point of uh, you know being in issue six. Yeah. So um, as I was talking before, like where the beginning of the story, you know, it's, it starts off in his, his hometown, you know, before he even knew his werewolf lineage, um, you know, he's a football player, full ride scholarship to a college of his choice, um, you know, has a hot girlfriend, has friends, very popular. Um, come issue two, shit hits the fan and these, you know, monsters invade his town. Um, his girlfriend's taken, his friends are killed, his parents are killed. And he uh, is kind of like left to figure out what he's what's going on. He uh, has a big battle. He's put in the hospital. He runs away from the hospital because, you know, who's going to believe him that he turned into a werewolf. Right. Uh, So then after that, um, the FBI special investigations unit starts investigating the the massacre and everything in him, um, thinking that he might be highly involved in this. And Snowpaw comes in and saves him from another horde of uh, werewolves and vampires lead up to issue five where we then are training training montage um and you can also see um where you know the villains plans laying out as uh kind of like starting to show their cards issue six we're uh starting to see you know all the things come together and then snowpaw and uh nightwolf get separated and they both are fighting two different battles at the same time 
Very cool. Well, we're going to definitely have uh, links to, to your website, social media, um, in the show notes as well. Most importantly, a link to, to the Kickstarter in the, in the show notes. Uh, we'll include a uh, link to Cthulhu Invades uh, in, the, in the show notes as well. But Rob, it was, it was a lot of fun catching up. Um, hopefully, uh, you can stay on this pace and, you know, three to four months from now, we can, we can check it with you with, uh, you know, another, another book that you're, you're taking to, to Kickstarter. Sounds good. Yeah. Thank you for having me again. I appreciate it. No problem. So for everybody listening, if you can give us a rating and review with the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you could, if you want to follow the podcast, we're on social media and that is Twitter at Construct Compod, Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod, and Facebook is Constructing Comics. Uh, thanks for listening. Please be safe, be nice to each other, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you. <laughs>